Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio. Today, we are so excited to once again be joined by Bridget Todd, one of our very favorite human people. Hello, Bridget. Hello. Thank you for having me back. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you and some congratulations are in order. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Podcast royalty. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that, but I did recently get the news that I am a winner of a Shorty Award for Best Podcast Miniseries. And I'm super excited about it. So thank you. Congrats, as you deserve, because you've worked so hard on your series. And I feel like we have been so blessed, for the lack of better terms, for having you as a part of our monthly regular. I can't say it enough. Thank you so much, again, for just christening our feed with your delightful series. <laughs> oh, please. I. It is my pleasure. It is, it's been such a fun project to work on. And Honestly, getting to tell the stories of like interesting people who do interesting stuff, I think it's just been such a blessing. So thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you for continuing to, you know, have me on Sminty to hang out with y'all. One, you're always a delight and we love having you. But two, you always bring such fascinating and worthwhile topics. And the one you brought today is one that I wasn't very familiar with. I had like a surface level idea and reading more about it. I wasn't too surprised with any of the information, but I didn't know a lot about it. So I'm very excited that you brought this topic today so that we can all learn more. (laughs) So what did you bring us to talk about? So today I really am excited to talk about what's going on with trafficking. Anybody who's been reading the news for the last couple of years probably knows that we're in the middle of like what you might think of as a moral panic around trafficking. I remember, was it last year where claims on the platform TikTok went viral that the furniture retailer Wayfarer was trafficking children on their online site that if you bought, you know, a cabinet that had the name Maria, the price was exorbitant. And that meant that you were actually (laughs) buying a, a missing person named Maria. This was all bunk. This was not true. But these claims have been going viral lately. And if you spend any time at all on the platform TikTok, you've probably seen a video that has hundreds of thousands of views where young women are talking about kind of almost being kidnapped or almost being trafficked. Usually it's like they were shopping at a big box retailer like Target or Walmart and somebody got too close to them or somebody did something weird to them or they went out to their car and something weird was on their car and they'll make these videos kind of claiming that this thing that happened meant that they were almost targets of a kidnapping, like a forced kidnapping and could have ended up being trafficked. And yeah, those videos, I can really understand why women make them. I don't want to, I want to be very clear. I'm not like blaming these women. I can really understand that they're responding to a genuine feeling of discomfort that I think many women feel when we're just going out and about in our daily lives. But those videos are actually kind of dangerous because they actually can perpetuate misinformation about trafficking that actually silences and harms people who are actually being victims of trafficking. So it's something that I didn't really know a ton about either until downloading TikTok at the urging of my younger cousins. So (laughs) I am a little bit older for the platform, but, you know, and really sort of scrolling through and being like, wow, these videos make it seem as though if you are a 
young woman, anytime you leave your house, you should be afraid. Anytime you go shopping, you should be afraid that it is likely that you will be kidnapped by a stranger. And that's just something I think that we should be unpacking and and really asking a few questions about. Right. And uh, recently on your podcast, Bridget, you dug into this, correct? That's right. So I have to give major, major shout outs to one of my favorite podcasters, Michael Hobbs of the podcast You're Wrong About. If you're not listening to You're Wrong About, what are you doing with your life? Because it's such a good podcast. Cannot recommend it enough. They actually have a recent episode about the Dixie, or they used to be the Dixie Chicks, now they're just the Chicks. That is so phenomenal. Please listen to it. But Michael Hobbs was a guest on my podcast to talk about trafficking and trafficking myths. And they have a great episode that breaks down where these trafficking myths come from. So major shout out to them. And definitely check out their podcast. And if you want to hear Michael in conversation with me, check out the episode that we did because I think it was great. But yeah, I think we are living through this really wild time where people are anxious. You know, there's the pandemic, there's, you know, political and social unrest. And in times of that kind of unrest, I think it's not surprising that people look for an outside boogeyman who is often like the other. And so, you know, maybe it's a stand-in for like immigrants or, you know, people of color, like trans people, like some kind of boogeyman that you need to be afraid of. I think in times of anxiety, historically, people turn to someone to kind of blame their anxieties on. So it's not surprising to me that we're kind of living through this, this time where everybody is on edge and really warning about being kidnapped, being trafficked, you know, and sort of creating this kind of like moral panic around it. Yeah, this episode you brought to us has given me a lot to mull over that I've kind of been thinking through my my head anyway. And I just have a lot of complicated thoughts. And what we're talking about is fairly complicated. Um, and as we're like slowly entering back into the world, or at least in my case, where I like went outside and went somewhere for the first time in a long time, I'd just forgotten that like performance and weight of just being someone and a woman walking around outside. And it felt so suffocating. Like I know it was before that, but just that kind of sudden difference. But I've been thinking about, yeah, the, that blaming of the other, the boogeyman and how on in a kind of messed up way that's simpler and easier than talking about these systemic issues of sexism and racism and homophobia and how not dealing with those because they're difficult helps prop up those things like rape culture. Like it's like keep your attention on this boogeyman that is pretty rare instead of dealing with why do we feel this way at all? Why is it easy for women to feel like they're going to be kidnapped or attacked? So yeah, that's been something on my mind. And then just the whole thing with QAnon, which we've been talking about also, where that's a big part of their whole thing is really selling this idea of protecting children from these really unsavory fates and how successful they've been with that messaging. So yeah, there, there's just a lot going on to unpack and untangle in what we're talking about today. Oh, yeah, I feel like I know that we were talking about it before we started recording. We were like, oh, and all I've I began with, don't get me started, which is (laughs) hilarious because, Bridget, you got me started. But yeah, one of the conversations that you and I were having was about the mere fact that they take sensationalized ideas, grow it bigger, essentially. 
and make it impossible for regular cases, and I say regular in quotes, in the aspect of what is more common to actually be able to do something or to get any kind of justice, including things like in rape culture, when we see most of the times that victims know they are attackers or know the people who are coming after them. And it's the same way in trafficking. But instead, because we have to have this big boogeyman, it gets harder and harder to talk about the disinformation and getting actual justice. Have you been able to kind of decipher how that can be taken down? That's a great question. I mean, I think that you're exactly right. Both of you are exactly right. I think that it is so much harder and thornier to say, you know, the issue is is that quote-unquote normal, regular men can be creepers and can make women feel really uncomfortable just in their, just out in public. And that's a problem and we need to call that out. Or that we live in a society where men who are in our own homes can sometimes be the ones who are perpetuating not great stuff. And I think it's so much easier to be like, oh, here's this boogeyman who's doing it. He's a stranger in a van with a a hat and a mustache. Like that's, you know, it's so much easier and clearer cut to point to that, even though the stranger in a van is so much less likely to be the person who is going to do you that kind of harm. And I also think, you know, Sam, as a a juvenile justice advocate, you and I both know that some of the systems that can perpetuate harm against children are things like foster care systems, you know? Like, those systems that are there for, you know, vulnerable youth, those systems are the ones that can really be perpetuating this kind of thing. Yet it's so hard. Like, I think a conversation about abuse in the foster care system is so much less exciting and sensational than a guy in a van, taken style, you know, putting a a pillowcase over your head while you're shopping and putting you in a van. Like, I can understand why that is what people gravitate toward when they talk about trafficking. I can completely understand it, but it doesn't do us any good because when someone says to you, you know, oh, this person that I trusted, I had this weird experience with them, or, you know, I feel like I'm being groomed, you're, we're, we're going to all be primed to be like, well, no, trafficking is when someone snatches you from a target against your will. It's not something that you're coerced into or groomed into or that someone that you knew could get you involved in, you know, over a course of time. And it makes us so much more primed to see something that is actually really rare and it makes it more difficult for us to see the thing that is actually happening all around us. And I get it. I, I, I get why that happens. And I think it doesn't help that the way that social media algorithms work, they really uh, prioritize big moments. And so that's why if you ever are on like Facebook or Instagram and you announce a pregnancy or an engagement, it, your post will get lots and lots and lots of likes because the algorithm knows this is a big moment. The same is true for big moments of conflict. So somebody making a video about how they were, you know, almost kidnapped in a parking lot and, you know, thank God they weren't, that's going to get so much more engagement and so many more eyeballs than someone being like, hey, we need to unpack the gross things that happen in our foster care system that are really systemic and bad. That's not going to get the same amount of eyeballs. Right. And I mean, let's just get down to the brass tacks of it all, especially when it comes to marginalized communities, which is who it largely affects. They become no longer the victim the perpetrators. And we've talked about this previously when we talked about uh, when they use terms like child prostitute, which is a term. Like, let's just leave that out there. But because of that, they have this divide on who's a victim and who's not. And of course, they want to, and I say they as an overall conspiracy theorist, want to highlight 
white women, let's just go ahead and say that, as the true victims and who need to be protected and white children. And we know, we talked about this before with the QAnon aspect, that's kind of what was perpetuated in the media was how it differentiated this is a true victim. And you see this angelic white child or angelic white woman, and I say angelic because, you know, whatever, versus who truly are the victims and who they're willing to see as victims. And when we talk about the foster care systems, oftentimes they're dismissed in general. Do you want to talk about the sad orphans? But the orphans they want to talk about is, again, the Annie orphan who seems so cute and so sweet and so white, (laughs) you know what I'm saying, that they don't get the attention and they don't get the respect and justice that this conspiracy idea is, we must fight for these people that don't exist. Why is that? I kind of answered yeah, my question, but... I think you, yeah, you kind of answered your own question. I think it is so much easier to believe in this BS binary of sort of perfect victims and anything that does not promote the idea of like angelic white kids and angelic white women, those are the, the, the true victims and all of that. Uh, we know that's not true, but I think it's politically very convenient to have those folks be the face of trafficking because it allows... I mean, I hate to say this, it allows legislators to make legislation that cracks down on other marginalized communities that they already don't like. And so if you look at things like SESTA-FOSTA, that was legislation that was purported to sort of crack down on sex traffickers and made it so that social media platforms would be held liable if their platforms were used in support of sex trafficking. But what they actually did was they conflated consensual sex work and trafficking. And those are two different things, right? And so, but this legislation, they were all just lumped together. And so this legislation that was actually, you know, that that was purported to be legislation to crack down on trafficking, actually, one, criminalized a group that's already marginalized sex workers, and two, actually made trafficking potentially worse because sex workers are people who actually know the signs of when someone's being trafficked. They know what to look out for. And if you further criminalize this community that actually has the tools to speak up and and say something when they see something that they know is not right, if you make it so that they can't speak up, you're actually harming people who are actually being trafficked. And so I I think it is complicated, but I think that you're exactly right that there are so many forces, both like politically and also sort of just culturally and socially, that are interested in having the the victim, quote unquote, be angelic white children or angelic white women, and not the reality that it's, you know, people who are marginalized, people who are struggling with homelessness, substance abuse issues, people in the foster care system, people who have just recently migrated to the country, you know, LGBTQ youth, trans youth, queer youth. Those are the people who are most likely at risk. And this idea that the way that we've allowed largely white affluent people to take up so much space in the conversation around what trafficking looks like really does a disservice to the people who are actually impacted by it. I know, Bridget, you and I have talked about before when Take It did come out. And my dad, like, called me as though this was a documentary. <laughs> and I needed to be very concerned. And But that's what we see in our entertainment is kind of that idea of, like, yes, the stranger danger, usually white, young white woman. And then when you're talking about social media and these things getting more and more 
eyeballs. And if you're seeing that over and over, then in your mind, you think, oh, this must be more common than I thought. And then on top of that, not only is it often like not helpful, it's often completely wrong, correct? Oh, absolutely. That, I'm so glad that you brought that up. First, I want to say that my dad did the same thing. The first time I was going out of the country, he was like, I want to show you this. He called it a documentary. He was like, I want to show you this documentary film about, about staying safe abroad. And it was taken. I was like, this is not a documentary. <laughs> but I do think that it is, this is just my anecdotal opinion. I think that we are really consumed by media right now that like is about crime, right? Like the popularity of things like true crime podcasts. I think that women are being told, do not leave your house. It is not safe. You could be outside getting your mail and someone could snatch you and that will be it, right? Like keep your guard up, keep your guard up. And listen, I love a good true crime documentary or a true crime podcast as much as anybody. I am not, I love them. I'm not gonna, I'm not saying that that, that they're bad. But I do think that when you're consumed by that as a, as a, as a culture, it just, it kind of can warp what you think of as reality, right? So it's like if, if you are consuming that kind of content that that tells you, you know, there's a danger out there all the time, on the backdrop of living through a time that is really, you know, anxiety-provoking with the pandemic and all this unrest, like, I can see how that could color how we're thinking about issues like trafficking. And yeah, it, it typically, it's one of those things that typically when you do any digging or follow-up, these stories that you see that go viral often are not what they seem. Like the one that's, that comes to mind right now is this woman, Katie Sorensen. She was a mom influencer who went by the handle Motherhood Essentials on Instagram. And she went viral. Uh, she made this video where she said that she had been shopping in a Michael's craft store and this couple tried to kidnap her kids. And the video was terrifying. She said that she was shopping. She overheard these this couple who she described as like looking, quote, not polished. So I don't know. I don't, I was like, unclear of what that, what kind of coded phrase that was. But, and she said that she overheard them talking about her kid's appearance while she was shopping. And so, you know, if I was a mom and I heard that, I would be losing my mind, right? I would be really upset. She then said that the man tried to grab her stroller with her child in it and that she screamed or something and somebody walked by and that they got in their car and sped off. And so she made this video she told the police that she did not want this couple arrested, that she just wanted to make a report so that she could spread awareness. She made this video. The video went viral. It got over 2 million views. Only she had it completely wrong. After her video went viral, people were circulating the picture of this couple around. And this couple didn't even know there was a problem until someone told them that their picture was being circulated on one of those Save the Children Facebook groups, which is pretty scary. You know, these people are kind of wild. And if they, if they think that if they're circulating your picture saying that you tried to kidnap a baby, that's pretty scary. And so this couple completely, you know, cooperated with the police. So the, the couple, I feel so bad for them. They, they were like an elderly Latino couple and they were grandparents themselves. And they said, oh, well, this woman, she thought that she heard us talking about her kids. We were talking about our own grandkids. We were shopping for our grandkids. And so they were completely cleared of any wrongdoing. And this woman is actually now being charged with giving false information to the police. And I don't know what was in her mind when she did this. It's, it's possible that she was actually genuinely afraid or, or, or feeling some kind of fear. But I do think that when you get social media involved, 
because we know algorithms are poised to make this specific kind of content get lots and lots of views, you really got to be careful. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that if anybody has an experience like this, that they should not broadcast it to the world via social media, but just really think it through because you could be really endangering somebody else. Like this couple having their, their picture on a Save the Children Facebook group, that is not a safe situation for them, right? And so I think that people should really be thoughtful about how they talk about trafficking because so often the kinds of viral videos and viral claims that you see about trafficking just aren't true. They fall apart under scrutiny. Right. And that's the other part of this. Let's say it was true. She could have messed up her case in general in trying to go after this because she's already prepped these people into saying what they needed to say. So none of this, it was wrong. I remember this video because they actually went all the way through releasing security videos showing that they'd actually stayed in the store, which he said they ran, to buy something. They were at the checkout counter talking to the checkout lady, not knowing what's going on, had no interactions. There was no screaming. Like, I remember going, why? Like, that wasn't, did she not realize stores have security cameras? I'm very confused in what she was thinking as well. But as a matter of fact, as many cases as I've been on when I worked with the Department of Family and Children's Services, any case of molestation and such, that would have ruined it right there because it's already difficult to prove a case. It is almost impossible to get any kind of justice in general when it comes to things like that. And had she had done that video, had this actually had happened, and they had gotten the heads up, they could have easily just thrown out this case because she screwed it up. Let's just be very honest about that. This is what I think is part of the problem. And I know you you now know, as you're talking of it, is people sensationalize and see movies and think this is how it goes. When it comes to the reality is, no, if you do half the things that you do in movies, you've already f***ed up the entire case and there's no justice to be had. <laughs> yes, I'm so glad to hear you say this. Michael Hobbs and I talked about this. I do think that there's something about movies and true crime content that is making us think that, you know, vigilante justice, I need to hunt down these bad guys. And like, I, the idea of hunting down bad guys sounds cool as I, I, I understand why people, <laughs> right. like, why that is something that seems compelling, but it's not like the movies, right? In reality, the road to justice, unfortunately, can be very tenuous. And so it is not like the movies. I think that this kind of content really gives a false impression of what the process of seeking justice for this kind of crime actually looks like. And if people did half the things that you hear about on movies or that get turned into life, I mean, I love a Lifetime movie, if people did half of that stuff, they would actually be jeopardizing their own case. So not a good strategy to get your advice from Lifetime movies, as entertaining <laughs> as they may be. <laughs> I watch only those oh. for my education. But you know, um, speaking of not realistic, I think a lot of these things are also perpetuated by urban myth type of posts that we see not only on TikTok, because I'm not on TikTok, I'm not cool enough for that yet. But like on Facebook, I've seen so many posts where it says, if the cheese, have you heard of this one, y'all? Oh, yes. The woman okay. who found the cheese smeared on her car. I have not heard of this. So apparently there was a woman who stated that she found a slice of cheese on her car. And because it can ruin the paint and you can't just peel it off, she had to sit there and scrape it off. But she had, quote unquote, the good sense of calling someone to help her. And it turned out supposedly there was a another car watching her so that when she got out to get the cheese off, they could kidnap her. Was And it went viral. Well, I don't know if it went viral, but it went big enough that it would be, repost this, repost this, let everyone know. And I'm just like, what? Have I missed something? I, maybe I haven't been out enough, but 
posts like that also perpetuate these types of stereotypes or kind of fear-mongering, I would guess. Oh, absolutely. And to be clear, this is not new. When I was in high school, before social media was ever even really a thing, I used to hear all kinds of stories, you know, somebody is going to be waiting under your car with a razor blade to slice your ankles. You know, the, the old story of, I mean, I may be dating myself. I don't know if, if people even know the story, but the, the urban legend of a woman driving at night and a, a guy is driving behind her and he keeps flashing his high beams. And, re, and so she thinks, this guy's this guy trying to murder me. And in reality, he's flashing his high beams to warn her that there's a bad guy in her backseat. So this is not new. But with social media, these things can really go viral. And so it's one thing, if this is an urban legend being passed around, you know, your homeroom or whatever in high school, it's another thing when it, can get, when it is optimized by platforms to get thousands and thousands and thousands of views and to spread really quickly. And so a couple of things to point out about that, pretty much if you ever hear someone say, oh, this is a new tactic that traffickers are using, that should perk your ears right up because it is likely that you're about to hear something that is total BS. Because just use common sense. Does it make sense that that traffickers would have some kind of a, you know, code that they write on your car to signal to another trafficker something about you? Does it make sense that all of this stuff will be happening in the parking lot of a major retailer, most of which in this day and age are being recorded? I just, you just really, when you think about these claims, even though they sound very compelling, it, if, you, if you really give them some thought, it's like, oh, well, that doesn't actually make a lot of sense. So if it doesn't make sense, it's probably not happening. Um, another thing to say is that what we know about how untrue information spreads on the internet, disinformation is when someone is making up a story purposely to fool you or to trick you or to cause some kind of harm. They're doing it on purpose. Misinformation is different because people are spreading information that they don't know, you know, is whether or not it's true or not they're not necessarily trying to cause harm. They're probably just trying to warn their community and, and they're sort of thinking, you know, better safe than sorry. If this helps somebody, great. If not, oh, who cares? And I can understand why people are sharing information just to sort of generally warn people about things they hear. But again, it really does add to this, this untrue idea of what trafficking really looks like. So no, putting somebody putting cheese on your car is not a, a way to mark you as a, a trafficking victim. Somebody putting a zip tie or a, or a something on your car handle, pretty much anything that says that where someone is doing something to your car as a way to mark you for trafficking is not happening. And I see so many stories on local news sites, you know, where people are like, oh, well, this, my hometown local news website said that the police said that they were investigating. And honestly, this is a situation where I think people that have institutional power, like the police, like journalists, need to take a little bit more responsibility and don't just write up a story and, you know, click publish without really doing your due diligence. Because the police saying they're investigating is different than them saying, yes, this is a confirmed trafficking attempt. They are correct, right? And so I see a lot of hometown local journalistic outlets that, you know, essentially will write an entire article about the fact that somebody found a, you know, bag on their car or, the, or that somebody found a string on their car. And I think that we should be asking people that have that kind of institutional power whether or not they are contributing to this, this these misunderstandings about trafficking, right? Like one of the stories that I that I saw that went viral was this parking lot where someone found a flower on their car and they were like, "Oh my god, I'm about to be trafficked." And it turned out that this these people had had a wedding or something and they had all these extra flowers. And so they were like, "Oh, it'll be nice if we put them on people's cars." And so that that 
was it worth it to write a whole article about this misunderstanding when you know the correction will never get as much attention as the false claim? The false claim will go viral. The correction will, will barely be seen by anybody. Right. And that's the whole like clickbait, you know, what, what sells um, conversation. And yeah, yeah, I, I remember when I was in high school, there was a rule you weren't allowed to wear shirts with your name on them because the idea was someone could pretend they knew your parents or they knew your guardians and they'd be like, oh, hey, Annie, uh, they told me I can pick you up, but then that's the end. No one sees you again. And just the idea that they were like telling this to children, which... Like, okay, I don't know. I get it. I totally get it. But a part of it does feel very like this is the society we're in. You have to deal with it. It's on you to protect yourself. <laughs> but okay, we've talked a lot about what trafficking isn't. Can we talk about some more about what it is? Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad that you asked. So this is from a great resource called the Polaris Project. They have so much good information about trafficking out there. Um, so definitely check them out if you're interested. This is from their site. They say. It can happen to anyone or is happening in your backyard or common in the anti-human trafficking field. Technically, they're true. Anyone can be trafficked in any community just as anybody can be the victim of any kind of crime. But the real story is why it can happen to anyone. Available evidence suggests that people of color and LGBTQ plus people are more likely to be trafficked than any other demographic of group. That is not a coincidence. Generational trauma, historic oppression, discrimination, and other societal factors and inequalities can create community-wide vulnerabilities. Traffickers recognize and take advantage of people who are vulnerable in certain ways. And so trafficking can look like a lot of things. Most of the time, it looks like somebody who is vulnerable because of some issue being taken advantage of, coerced, or groomed. It oft Sometimes it can be people that you know, people that you trust, people in your community, people in your own house. It is really unlikely that anyone would be trafficked by a stranger kidnapping them from a public place. I want to be clear that I'm not saying that never happens, but it is very, very rare instances where that has happened is you could count them on one hand. It is, it is very rare. So again, anything could happen to anyone. We live in a chaotic world where things can happen, but we need to be clear about what is more likely and what is not very likely. And as Sam said, you know, the foster care system is like rife with trafficking. And really it's, it's situations where someone is vulnerable and there's a power imbalance. The Polaris Project does a really good job of laying this out. So if you are a person dealing with homelessness, somebody offering you, you know, a place to stay, a place to sleep, that kind of thing, right? Like, we have really, really misunderstood the way that trafficking actually looks in favor of this highly sensationalized view of people being kidnapped. So, you know, we really need to be having the conversation of what it actually looks like. And oftentimes, it's runaways, it's people with substance abuse issues, it's LGBTQ youth, people dealing with homelessness, you know, folks who are already marginalized and already dealing with some of this, some of this kind of tough stuff, like people in tough situations. I mean, there's a reason why a majority of the group of individuals are called at risk, because it's not just necessarily that they're at risk of being homeless. It's all of these things that lay on top of them. And, and just like you said, they're either coerced or groomed, and more oftentimes groomed by someone that they, they trust and they've built a bond with and not realizing that this is something that happens. 
it flips so quick, especially in a justice system, especially in politics, where it goes from victim once again to the perpetrator. Uh, when we call these victims no longer victims because they refuse to admit they're groomed. That happens way more often than not. Mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how many cases that I had to go through to try to get children out of bad situations that unfortunately happened to them because, yes, they got lost in the system or they got caught up in one bad thing and that caused them to think, oh, no one cares. Like, there's this whole level of systemic negligence. Um, That's the best way I can put it. That happens, that causes this to happen in their defensiveness. They don't want to be seen as a victim. So therefore, they don't want to be seen as a victim, so they're they're not. And they get lost in the system. And there's this, again, that bigger conversation of what does trafficking look like, which harms any possible ability to rehabilitate or help these uh, youths. So I'm not going to say bad things don't happen to women. We know that. But trafficking typically is not number one for women. Let's just go ahead and put that out there, unless there's a whole different level situation. Not that it can't happen. I, it can happen. But when it comes down to who is really victimized and groomed, they are going to be younger. So yeah, I do find it interesting too, though, that even though we've talked about it throughout history, we've always talked about it. There's always been a fear, honestly, I guess since the 80s, uh, when we thought all the children were going to be picked up and, and kidnapped, that this whole level of trafficking really didn't, it felt like it became more political in the last five years because of some of these conspiracy theories and how it's perpetuated online. Has that had more of an effect or am I just paying attention more? No, it absolutely has. I think that as our political climate has gotten more polarized, gotten more heated, conversations have been politicized in ways that we have not really, at least in my opinion, that we have not really seen a lot of before. And so particularly with conversations around like things like you know, sex trafficking and anything involving, like, sex, I think that we have really politicized those conversations to a point where it's difficult to really have them uh, in any kind of, you know, meaningful or effective way. And it's not great. You know, it's not, it's not great for people who are actually victimized. Like, what, like, why is it that we have this massive politicized conspiracy theory, QAnon, that you know, is all about, you know, women and girls being sex trafficked and all of that. Yet, Matt Gates is currently right. is currently being credibly accused of sex trafficking. <laughs> and it's right. like, so I think that, like, it, it goes to show that we have a very skewed kind of cultural understanding of how we deal and grapple with these issues. Absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah, can we talk about the fact that Matt Gates, people are excusing him in so many manners, because he, first of all, <laughs> his interview on uh, Fox is probably one of my favorites. However, literally people are dismissing it, saying that he, like, kind of that whole level of, oh, she's mature for her age. hmm Even I, though she's underage. Yeah, I think that was, honestly, if I'm being honest, I think with his situation, again, I think because people are like, oh, trafficking is when you kidnap a, a woman or a girl against her will, and, t- and, like, confine her in some way. What he's doing is not trafficking because X, Y, Z. I think that, genuinely, people have a hard time seeing what he has been accused of as anything other than, like, oh, well, he's a man, he likes younger women, you know, boys will be boys. I th- and I think that that really does demonstrate that we really have a long way to go in terms of talking about what sexual violence actually looks like and how and where it shows up. Because I think 
I hate to say this, I think a lot of men that might think of themselves as like progressive, good guys might agree with that if you really got down to it, that like paying a woman for sex and maybe she's underage, maybe she is being coerced into it, maybe she is has been groomed into it. I think that a lot of people might not see that, that part of like, well, how did they get into this circumstance as their problem, right? I think right. that like the way that we talk about those issues, I think we have a long way to go. And I think right. a lot of people might have more sinister uh, understandings of it than they realize. Because I think, again, it seems like if you're not kidnapping somebody, you can't be doing anything wrong, right? You know, a part of this too is, and I'm, I'm going to go out right and say it, I've said it before, is this white savior idea that if you're not rescuing somebody, and when they say rescuing, going undercover vigilante style and, you know, killing all the peoples and rescuing the child, then they're not truly in danger, right? They're not truly being trafficked, which is kind of that, again, big conversation. One of the hardest populations to work with are young uh, people who have been in this situation, not realizing they've been in this situation, thinking this is their choice because they love someone or they wanted to help someone or because this is better than being in a system that neglects them anyway, that oftentimes people won't recognize that. And even still with what's happening, and it can be trafficking, uh, with a specific foster care system in the U.S. that is taking immigrant children against uh, through a misunderstanding or through uh, the immigration centers and actually adopting them out against parents' wishes and not even understanding. And they've been accused of this from all over the country to the point that children are coming around and found out that the parents had no idea they had signed off uh, relinquishing their uh, guardianship and parentification rights. And therefore, that's a type of trafficking that people don't want to talk about because once again, it's this I'm saving them attitude. And it has to be this bigger picture of what am I saving them from? And if you're not grateful for it, then are you really in trouble? Like there's just this whole level of layered conversation within the system that shows once again, A, this perpetuated idea, it has to be heroic and big and the, and the uh, victims have to be um, on their knees thanking me type of idea and or that I've made a big splash in rescuing you, which is that whole issue of like QAnon. We're rescuing the children. We're saving the children, which has broken down this whole conversation of, no, you're actually hurting the movement. You're really killing the movement and in us trying to save, truly save the kids who are not being saved. Oh, absolutely. And it's time and time again, people who do anti-trafficking work, they say QAnon, all of this stuff is making their jobs so much harder. And if you truly cared about trafficking, you would not be doing something that the people who have been dedicated their lives to stopping it have said, no, you're making our jobs so much harder. Please stop. And so I think it really, if it's not about stopping trafficking, what is it about? If, if people are continuing this crusade that the people who work in anti-trafficking work say is making their job so much harder, what is it about? You know, I, I have a lot of questions about that. I don't, know the, I don't know the answer, but it is, it really, you have to, you have to wonder. I mean... I guess that's kind of what we talked about with the QAnon women, and we've talked about misinformation and disinformation. A lot of the times when people feel helpless, they feel like they have to do something. And unfortunately, if they truly believe this is the situation, they're going to take up arms 
in this fight. And I say that metaphorically, obviously. Maybe not. I don't know. But that this is a cause that they they decided it's their cause. And they're truly willing to fight because, you know, we have to say, <laughs> I keep saying that what they're saying, save the children. And that's the only thing that they cannot get past. Oh, yeah. If we wanted to save the children, we would be advocating for things like paid family leave. We would be advocating for, you know, increasing educational access. We'd be advocating for raising wages for parents and caregivers. We would be advocating for, there would, there would be common sense things that we would be advocating for that actually would improve the lives of children, right? Like across the board. Yet, we're, you know, talking about, you know, QAnon. It's like, it's like if we wanted to save the children, we could talk about fixing our completely messed up immigration system where children are taken from their parents. There are so many different ways that we could actually meaningfully improve the lives of children. And I don't think QAnon is one of them. Right. I mean, when we come down to it, the, in Georgia alone, I know it's all over the country, they lost millions to billions of dollars in the system, in the children's system. So whether it's DFACS or whether it's DJJ, and don't get me wrong, I have a lot of problems with the foster care system. A lot. But... What we're also talking about is taking the money away from the things that, that were good, that try to help the families within their homes instead of just removing kids left and right. Or when we have talk about, hey, oh, Medicare for all is actually really helpful and would help these kids get their counseling that they need. Instead, it gets cut and slashed to pieces where they can only get it once a week. And for this level of what's happening, we're not saving anything. And we're perpetuating, once again, putting them out into the system that does take advantage of them to be trafficked. So sad. I hate it. Okay, <laughs> you got her started. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, with all of this that you see, with all the constant, do you see anything that is helping to prevent any of this misinformation being sent out? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, I, I it kind of pains me to say this. I think that platforms, so just speaking of the platform TikTok, because that's the one I, I'm most familiar with at this point. I think that platforms need to do more across the board to keep viral, inaccurate information from getting shared on their platforms. But in the absence of that kind of like very meaningful intervention, I have been really heartened to see women, just regular women content creators on the platform addressing this kind of thing. Um, I interviewed this uh, content creator on TikTok. Her TikTok name is Bloodbath and Beyond. And she started on the platform making Dungeons and Dragons content, but... Now, her whole thing is sort of using the platform TikTok to spread accurate information about trafficking and accurate trafficking resources. And so when someone makes a viral video about how they found something on their car, she wants to, on the platform where those videos are going viral, combat that kind of viral misinformation by giving good resources. And I am so happy to see women taking on this fight to make sure that accurate information that is not harming people gets out there and like trying to make it go as viral as the misinformation. But, you know, in talking to her, this kind of came up in the interview, it is complicated work because people often will find these viral videos of women talking about finding a zip tie on their car and tag her in them. And the way that she feels sometimes is that like, oh, people are tagging me because they want me to go in and be like, you're lying. And that's not how she feels. She is not interested in invalidating anybody who is sharing their experience, right? And so, but too often, that's kind of how we think of these things. We think of these things as like, you know, she said, she said, or like, go in there and, and call her out instead of like, no, let me provide some resources and let me like provide a little bit of perspective. And so 
I completely identify with that because, again, I think there is a temptation to say that women that make these videos are looking for attention or they're making it up or whatever. I don't actually believe that's going on. Just the experience of being a woman out in public, you know, as Annie was speaking about at the beginning of the episode, can be scary. Men can be creeps. Men can get too close to you when you're at the store. Men can be real creepers. Like, we all know this. And so I do think that these women are responding to a genuine discomfort, but because we don't have a society where if we talked about the discomfort that quote-unquote regular men spark in women, we don't have a society that rewards women when we talk about that. We don't have a society that rewards women when we talk about the threat posed by men in our communities, in our own households. We do not have a society that rewards that. We do have a society, however, that rewards it when women speak up about a boogeyman or a stranger or a guy in a van with a mustache or whatever. That seems to be the thing that is rewarded and supported when women speak up. And so, honestly, I I feel for these women who make these videos, I do not believe that they're, you know, making them for attention or making it up. I believe that we have a society that is only able to listen when women scream at the top of their lungs. And so if you just said, hey, men, stop being generally creepy and leering at me when I'm at the gym and being generally kind of terrible because women don't like it, no one's going to listen. But if you say, hey, I'm being tra- I think I'm being trafficked by this guy, I think it's a totally different story, right? And so it's a complicated issue. And I really, I, I think the issue is made so much worse by what we take seriously in our society and what we don't and what we choose to listen to and what we choose to amplify. Yeah, yeah. This is, um, I, again, I'm really glad you brought this to us this, uh, for an episode because it's given me a lot to think over because there is also... Uh, that whole other layer of, um, especially when I, I was thinking about QAnon and um, some conservative politicians who would, by the way they're speaking about some of these issues, they are sexualizing <laughs> young girls and women. And it's like, I don't know if you realize you're doing that, but you're sort of part of the the issue that is that fear that women are feeling <laughs> every day. And maybe they don't realize it or know how to talk about it. Because for a long time, I didn't even know. I couldn't have named it. But just seeing that layer of it where it's just this like constant sexualization and not... That just seems to be the status quo and we're cool with it. Yeah. Even in these conversations that politicians are having about trafficking. Yeah, I saw this viral TikTok where it was a young girl who had set up her phone to make a little video in public it was, it was almost triggering. I, do you, have you guys seen it? It's like, this guy comes up to her and he's like, oh, is this seat taken? And she's like, no, go ahead. Thinking that he means take the chair. And he sits down and she's so uncomfortable. She is so, it's so clear that she doesn't want to talk to him. And it's so clear that she's feeling creeped out. And I feel like we all know that feeling of, dude, just leave me alone. Like, this is so weird. And you don't want to be like, leave because you don't know, you don't know what this, what's going to happen. And the powerlessness that comes with that feeling. And that's the feeling that I feel like we, that's the conversation we don't have. It's like, it doesn't have to be trafficking, a near trafficking for it to be harmful and gross. And we need to discuss it, even if it's not as something as intense as, a, you know, almost trafficking. We need to talk about the thing that is so much more common, which is dudes being creepy. Yeah. Yeah. And then when we do have to, we try to have those conversations, it's almost always like, Men and a lot of women being like, well, you could have just said something or you could have just 
putting it back on you of, well, why didn't you just leave? <laughs> uh, yes, there's so much to unpack here. Thanks as always, Bridget, for coming on. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up? No, just major shout outs to uh, Michael Hobbs from You're Wrong About. Major shout outs to uh, Bloodbath and Beyond on TikTok. And also, if you want more information, credible information about trafficking, check out the Polaris Project. They have so many good resources and they're such a good organization. Yes. And you should also check Bridget out. Where can the listeners find you, Bridget? Well, you can find me at my podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet, on the iHeartRadio network, this very network. You can follow me on Twitter at Bridget Marie or on Instagram at Bridget Marie in DC. Yes. And we're so excited to have you and we can't wait to have you in the future. Yay. Oh, I'll come back anytime. Yes. <laughs> we still have to do our Sex in the City rewatch. We have not forgotten this. <laughs> Forgot to do this. Yes. I can't wait. <laughs> and listeners, if you would like to email us, you can or email stuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Instagram, Stuff Mom Never Told You, or on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 